0: So we've got your immediate repairs, your immediate replacements, which are things that need to be addressed immediately after closing. And depending on the type of loan you're getting, it might even need to be addressed before you close on the deal.
1: If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School. And Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode. And for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School, go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes.
0: Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndication. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. Each week, we air two podcast episodes that are typically a part of a larger podcast series that focus on a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. And for the majority of these series, we will offer a document, spreadsheet, some sort of resource for you to download for free that accompanies that series. All of these free documents, as well as past syndication school series, can be found at syndicationschool.com. This episode is a continuation of a series we started last week. This is part three of the series entitled How to Perform Due Diligence on an Apartment Syndication Deal. So at this point, you have a deal under contract and you are beginning the three things that you need to do before closing, which is one, secure financing, which was the topic of discussion in the previous series. This series is number two, which is to perform due diligence on the apartment community. And then number three, which will be the series we begin next week, is to actually secure the commitment from your investors. So one, fund the majority of the deal with that. Two, to make sure all of your assumptions are actually accurate and that there aren't any disqualifiers of the deal. And then three, fund that debt with equity from your investors. So if you haven't done so already... I recommend listening to parts one and two, where we introduce the 10 due diligence reports that you're going to need to get during this due diligence period. And in those two parts, first we described what each report was. We talked about how to obtain these reports, so who you need to get them from. We talked about the estimated costs based off of it being a 150 plus unit deal. And then I opened up some example reports from an actual deal. That Joe has done and kind of just walked you through how the report flows. And as I mentioned last week, parts three and four, we're going to go back over those 10 reports, but this time we're going to discuss how to actually analyze those results. So in this episode, we're going to get through as many as we can, just because the six through 10 are more of disqualifiers. So if the report comes back clean, you're good to go. If it doesn't, then you need to renegotiate with the owner a new price they need to complete whatever needs to be done, or you back out of the deal. So I recommend when you are taking back high level, when you're going through these due diligence reports, you're going to want to have your cash flow calculator open. And then if you did your rental comps on a different document, I would have that open as well. So that's how we're going to talk about the due diligence reports in this episode. I'm going to go through and say how you should analyze the results. And then we're actually going to look at the simplified cash flow calculator that you can download for free at syndicationschool.com. It's under series number 14, where we talked about how to underwrite a value at apartment deal. So I'm going to tell you exactly where in that model you would need to change things based off of the due diligence report. So let's jump right in, starting with number one which is the financial document audit. So you use the results of the financial document audit, which as a reminder, is the audit of all of the financials, bank statements of the owner, and then a contractor will create their pro forma and what they believe the income and expenses will be based off of that. So we're gonna use that report to confirm Or adjust your income and expense assumptions. So, when you underwrite the deal, if you remember, these were the assumptions that you base off of the trailing 12 months of profit and loss and the rent roll that was provided to you by the seller. And then you also base these assumptions on the market costs per unit per year rates for the expenses. Or you had a conversation with your property management company and they helped you determine what those. Stabilize expense and stabilized income assumptions should be. So as I mentioned, with this report, you're gonna go ahead and open up your model and go through each of the stabilized income and expense line items, and you're gonna to want to compare those with the results of the financial audit. Or what's also likely or possible, depending on the contractor who performs the audit, they might even have created a summary tab that has one column that's all their income and expense assumptions. and the next column, it's your income and expense assumptions. In the next column is any deviation, so a positive or a negative number. And then I might put a little comment there saying, hey, I know you had $1,000 per unit for payroll, but based off of our evaluation, it's actually gonna be $1,100 per unit per year for the payroll. So if you need to make any adjustments or if any discrepancies were found, then before you go ahead and just make those changes in your model you're going to want to go ahead and discuss those with your property management company first just to confirm that you need to change those income and expense figures in your model so run the audit by your property management company depending on the number of discrepancies or kind of the size of the discrepancy there might be a change in your projected returns so if you are telling your investors that you're going to find deals that result in a 15% IRR and a 10% annualized cash on cash return. When you first unearth a deal, when you put it under contract, maybe you're at 11% percent cash on cash return annualized and a 16% IRR. But then you get your financial document audit back and you realize that the maintenance or repairs are going to be way higher than you first expected and those returns dip below at 15% IRR and 10% percent cash on cash Well, then you might need to actually go back and renegotiate a different purchase price. Or you might need to back out of the deal entirely because, again, you don't want to buy a deal just because it needs to make sense. So on the actual cash flow calculator, the things that might change as a result of the financial document audit are going to be those revenue and expense line items under the stabilized column. So vacancy loss rate, loss to lease, concessions, In this cash flow calculator, they're labeled as units, employee, model, admin. So that's the discounts given to employees living on site. Those are units that are being used as a model unit. So it's technically a zero rent, maybe a maintenance room. You've got bad debts and other income. So those are the revenues that might change based off of this financial document audit. And then all of your expenses. So payroll, maintenance and repairs, contract services, turn make ready costs, advertising, administration costs utilities. Management fee probably won't change. It's just because that's something you negotiate with your property management company. Taxes probably won't change unless you did the calculation incorrectly. Insurance, that might change. And then lender reserves and asset management fee should stay the same because the lender reserves is something you negotiate with the lender and asset management fee is something you negotiate with your property management company. So again, if you change those, you're going to want to go ahead up to, on this cash flow calculator, it's the projections data table. it starts in row seven, column K. So you've got your projected cash ROI, your project cash five-year IRR, your LP cash ROI, and your LP five-year IRR. So you want to make sure that those are still above that threshold that your investors want. Number two is that internal property condition assessment. So the internal PCA is something that is also created by a contractor. And essentially, they will provide you with a document that has different priority levels of repairs that need to be made. So immediate repairs, recommended repairs, and then ongoing repairs. So we've got your immediate repairs, your immediate replacements, which are things that need to be addressed immediately after closing. And depending on the type of loan you're getting, it might even need to be addressed before you close on the deal. Then you've got your recommended replacements, which indicate maintenance issues that were identified that aren't necessarily required to be replaced, but there are things that are kind of like, hey, you should replace these, but you don't have to replace these for the property to be in working order. And then the third category, as I said, was the continued replacement, ongoing replacement. So there are things that don't need to be replaced right now, but they will need to be replaced at some point during the business plan. So for example, let's say the roof has about five years of life remaining and your business plan is to hold on the property for 10 years, then the roof is not going to be an immediate replacement because it still has some life left. But at some point in the business plan, you're going to have to replace that roof. Now, in addition to just listing off these three different categories of repairs, this report will also list out the preliminary costs because this is going to be provided by a contractor of your choice, ideally your contractor. So they're going to do the costs of the interior items and maybe even the exterior items that require repair. So if you remember, during the underwriting process, you created your renovation and upgrade plan for the interior and exteriors of the apartment community. Then you also put in some projected costs. So maybe you yourself have a background in construction, so you just came up with those costs yourself. Maybe you based them off of another deal you had done. Maybe you base them off of a deal your mentor or consultant has done, or maybe you just had a conversation with your management company and they gave you some ballpark numbers. But again, these are assumptions, so you want to confirm that these are actually accurate with this report. So once you receive this internal PCA, you want to go ahead and compare number one, the costs, and number two, the actual items that need to be repaired, and make sure that they align with your assumptions. So for the x tiers how do the contractor's findings compare with your budget for the exterior tier innovation? You're going to want to look at those immediate repair or repairs that need to be done in the future and see, okay, well, what did I think needed to be repaired immediately and what did I think needed to be repaired at some point in the business plan and how do those compare to what my contractor said? If you didn't include something in there that your contractor did then you're probably going to have to adjust your number. And do the same thing for the interiors as well. So if there was some deferred maintenance that we weren't able to identify that this contractor didn't identify, you're going to want to know that. Now, keep in mind that these are going to be preliminary costs, so they're not going to be the exact costs. right? These aren't quotes. These are just the contractor saying, hey, based off our experience and what we saw, we're thinking it's going to cost about this much. However, these are preliminary costs that were created by a contractor, So depending on how you did your assumptions, unless you did a full inspection of the property, these assumptions are likely going to be better than the assumptions that you made during the underwriting process. So if there are discrepancies between the contractor's estimated repair costs and your budgeted costs, then you're going to have to change the renovation figures on your model so that they reflect the results of the PCA. Now hopefully, I guess best case scenario is that your assumptions were right on the point. So all the deferred maintenance, immediate repairs, continued replacements that were found by the contractor are all included in your CAPEX budget and the costs are the same. And ideally, since you should be doing being conservative in the first place, they might even go down. So you might discover that you thought it would cost $25,000 to repair the parking lot, whereas the contractor said, oh, this is only cost you fifteen grand to do. So that's the ideal situation. However, if something comes up that wasn't accounted for, or if your expenses are too low, then you're going to have to make adjustments in your cash flow calculator. And just like the adjustments you made based off of the financial audit report, this might push your returns below that threshold and outside the range of your investor's goals, at which point you either need to renegotiate the purchase price, renegotiate some other expense on your cash flow calculator, or you're gonna have to back out of the deal. So moving to our cash flow calculator, since this is a simplified cash flow calculator, you are just going to have one little cell where you can input your capital improvement budget, and that's gonna be cell C14. So it says capital improvements, it's under the uses category, along with purchase price, operating account funding, acquisition fee, closing costs, and financing fees. Now, I believe I mentioned this in the series about underwriting, but since this is a simplified cash flow calculator, you're gonna want to utilize the comments function on Excel. So for example, in that cell C14 about capital improvements, don't just put in a number. You're gonna wanna create a comment and say, okay, for the interiors right now in the simplified cash flow calculator, it's about $1.5 million. So let's say you plan on spending 750 grand on the interiors, and then you want to say below that, here's exactly how much money we're spending per unit on the countertops, the kitchen, the bathrooms, and the same thing for exteriors. Okay, so I'm spending the remaining 750 grand on the exteriors. I have to redo the parking lot. We're going to renovate the clubhouse. We're going to go ahead and buy new pool furniture. We're going to revamp the fitness center. That way, you can send that budget to your contractor. So number one, they can go ahead and give you preliminary costs for those upgrades, but also you can have a clear picture in your mind of what the costs actually are. Because this report, you're probably not gonna get it for a few weeks, maybe a month or two after you initially underwrote the deal. And so if you just plugged in a number based off of a calculation you did on your notebook and you've lost that notebook, then you're not gonna know how that number was calculated. So overall, number two is the internal PCA. We're gonna to to review that. And make any adjustments to your cash flow calculator based off of those results. And those adjustments will be made in cell C14 next to Capital Improvements. Number three is the Market Survey Report. So the Market Survey Report is created by your management company. And they're going to go ahead and compare the subject apartment community, the apartment community that you're buying, with the direct competitors in your market. I discussed how to find good rental comps in that series on how to underwrite a value add deal and ultimately they're going to provide you with the market rents or in the cash flow calculator they're labeled as renovated rents that you'll be able to achieve after you've completed your business plan so a property management company knows the upgrades you plan on implementing at the property they'll take the information they'll find other properties with those upgrades already completed determine a rent per square foot and then based off of the square footage of your units of the same unit type, they'll go ahead and give you a estimated renovated rent. So obviously to determine the accuracy of your renovated rent assumptions, you're going to want to compare the average rents for each unit type from this market survey report with the renovated rents you have in your financial model. Now this report is created by your management company, as I said, so you can trust that these are the rental premiums you should be comfortable with because since they are going to be managing the property and they're telling you, hey, based off of what we can do, these are the rents that we can get, you can go ahead and trust those. Maybe just review and make sure that the amenities line up, that maybe you changed your your upgrade program based off of the results of the PCA that came in. So that might have some adjustments, but overall you can trust the numbers sent to you by your management company. So again, like all these reports, if there is a discrepancy between the results of this market survey report and the assumptions that you made on your financial model, then you're going to want to make those necessary adjustments. And then again, review those projected returns to make sure that they are still above that threshold. So going to the cash flow calculator, any changes made from the market survey report are going to happen under that unit mix data table. Specifically, you're going to want to make the changes to cells G10 through cells G15. Or if there's more than five unit types or six unit types, then obviously you're going to have to expand that data table and you'll have to change more renovated rents. But right now we've got six unit types, A1, A2, B1, B2, B3, and C1. And we've got our renovated rent assumptions based off of our rent comp analysis, and then we've got our rent premiums compared to the current rents at the property. So maybe you have to change all six of these. Maybe you have to change one or five of them. Or maybe you don't have to change any of them. Again, depending on how good your initial rent cap analysis was. And if you want to know how to perform your own rent cap analysis rather than just trusting the numbers listed in the offering memorandum, we also discussed that in the series on how to underwrite a value at apartment deal. And we also gave away a free rent comp template that allows you to perform a rent comp on the phones so by calling these actual properties that are comps. We've got the rent comp detailed, which is what you discover from your online investigations. And then we have that amenities checklist that you want to use first, just to determine that the comps you found are actually truly comp properties. Next is the lease audit report. That's number four. So the lease audit report compares the, the data obtained from the actual leases with the information provided in the rent roll. So when you're underwriting a deal, the owner is not going to send you, for this particular deal, there's 256 units. They're not going to send you 256 leases. What they will send you is the rent roll, which is a summary of those leases. So each unit has its own row or maybe a, a couple of rows. And then you can take that and determine okay, so for all 48 A1 units, the market rent on average is $973. For the A2 unit type, the current rents on average are $978. And then, okay, maybe there's some vacant units, so the vacancy loss for this property is 150 dollars per year. So mostly what you get from the rent roll is going to be the economic vacancy loss as well as. Well, I guess technically you'll get the units from there as well. So any units that are being used as model units, offices, things like that. And obviously that's all the information you had. Those are what you use as your underwriting assumptions. Once you do the lease audit report, your property management company is actually going to look at all 256 leases. They're going to look at the rents on those leases. They're going to look at the terms. They're going to look at the actual lease start and end date and things like that. And then in that report, any discrepancies found between the rent roll and the actual leases will be highlighted. So unless the current property management companies are completely incompetent and aren't tracking things properly, then there shouldn't be any discrepancies at all. If there are, they should be minor. But even if there are minor discrepancies, you need to make sure that you update your model. More specifically, in the cash flow calculator, the cells that might change are going to be those current rents under the unit mix. So H10 through H15. And then you're also going to want to take a look at that vacancy. So maybe the rent roll was from six months ago and the current market rents have gone up or they've gone down or there's more vacancies than you initially thought, which is why it's important to look at the historical 12 month vacancy as well as the current vacancy to kind of just see, okay, did they just fill this property up to sell it? Or is this indeed the actual average vacancy that they've had for the past 12 months? So, those changes we really made to those current rents and those vacancies. Now, you may be asking yourself, well, why do I care how the property is currently operating? What really matters is how it will operate. Well, the appraiser is going to base the value of the property on the current net operating income, as well as the other methods, the replacement approach, as well as the sales comparison approach. But any changes to those rents, up or down, is going to affect the value of the property. And the value of the property is going to impact the type of loan you can get. So, if you underwrote, at current rents that were incorrect, you input put the new rents and the NOI goes, let's say, way down, then you're not going to be able to get as high an LTV loan. Of course, it'd be better if the rents were actually up. That way, the value of the property will be higher than hopefully the purchase price and you'll have some free built-in equity at purchase. So that's number four, the lease audit report. And I think we're going to stop there for today and we're going to go through five through 10 on tomorrow's episode. So in this episode, we went through how to review the results of the first four due diligence reports. One was the financial document audit. Two was the internal PCA. Three was a market survey report. And four was the lease audit report. And then again, I actually had the cash flow calculator open, the simplified cash flow calculator, which you can download for free at syndicationschool.com under series number 14, how to underwrite a value at apartment deal. I went through exactly where in that model the adjustments will need to be made for each of those reports. So until tomorrow, I recommend listening to parts one and two of this series, how to perform due diligence on an apartment deal. I recommend listening to the previous other 13 syndication school series about the how tos. Oh, sorry, not 13, We've got more than 13. We're in series number 17 right now. So I recommend listening to the 16 other free syndication school series about the how-tos of apartment syndication. And go ahead and download that free simplified cash flow calculator if you haven't done so already. All that can be done at syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow.
1: If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, And in particular, want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end of the work week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com.